Welcome back to the Substantiate Podcast. I'm the host, William Glasser, and we're just going to get back into it with part 10 of this sort of summer Q&A series. And this is in August. I'm recording this on Wednesday morning. And so sorry a little bit for this uh, slightly delayed release on Wednesday the 18th. But basically, what's going to happen today is I'm going to do something that I did way back in the beginning of the summer, and I'm just going to be going over what's trending on Twitter. So, first of all, there is what Steve Cohen, who's the owner of the Mets, what he said about his team on Twitter. Steve Cohen tweeted... It's hard to understand how professional hitters can be this unproductive. The best teams have a more disciplined approach. The slugging and OPS numbers don't lie. So is Steve Cohen just overreacting, or is he actually right? So I went and looked up the New York Mets' team OPS on base plus slugging and slugging percentages, And for slugging percentage, they rank 26 out of 30 with a slugging percentage of .381. So a .381 slugging percentage. So to put some perspective in that, the number one team is Toronto, and they're at 457. Then Boston, 443. Then number 10 is the Chicago White Sox at 420. 15 is Oakland at 408. 20 is Detroit at 398. And 26, or actually they're tied for 25th with Seattle at 381. So that is not very good. 25 or 26 is not very good, not where you want to be. And compared to what they're going up against in their division, so Atlanta is number six with 431, and they currently lead the division with a record of 64 and 56. Now, second placed in the NL East in slugging percentage is Washington with 415. And they are fourth in the standings with a record of 51 and 68. They are 17 games under 500, yet their slugging percentage is in the top half of the, of the league. And they're 12 and a half games back of the Braves. And now we keep going down the list a little bit more, and we find Philadelphia at 16, so just in the bottom half. And they're third place in the NL East in slugging percentage with 404. They're in second place in the division. They are three games over 500 with a record of 61 and 58. They are only two and a half games back of the Braves. And they're just slightly in the bottom of the MLB or in the bottom half. And then we keep going down, and the Mets are fourth out of five in this division in slugging percentage. Again, 381, 
only to be followed by Miami of 379, and last place in the MLB is Pittsburgh with 361. But the Mets here, they are four and a half games back of the Braves. They are one game under 500. The Mets are 59 and 60. And in their last 10, they are three and seven. So not too good for the Mets here. And so Steve Cohen seems to be right about his frustration. Now, if we come over to the OPS side, the Mets are 24th with an OPS of 693. Now, again, Miami is below them uh, with 682, so not that big of a difference. But the Mets are in fourth place in the NL East in OPS. Then if we keep coming up, third place in the NL East in OPS is the Phillies with 721. And they're in 17th place in the MLB, so still in the bottom half. And then the next in the NL East is Washington with 746, and they're in ninth place in the MLB, and seventh place in the MLB, first in the NL East, is the Atlanta Braves with 754. So Steve Cohen is frustrated. He is right that they have the second lowest on-base plus slugging and slugging percentage in his division, and he's still third place in the division over the last month or two. The Mets have really trailed off. They did trade for Javier Baez, but so far they still have not been too productive with him. Since joining the Mets, Javier Baez, he did get hurt, but he's played 10 games is batting 171 with an on-base percentage of 216. He has hit two home runs, so he's not had the greatest start to his tenure with the Mets. And we'll have to see what happens when he gets back, hopefully soon for the Mets. And it's not looking too good for Steve Cohen. This is a big warning for Luis Rojas, the Mets manager, and they should be playing better, and Steve Cohen's frustrated, and he has the power to do something about it in terms of firing Luis Rojas. All right, next thing trending on Twitter, we'll take a quick break from sports here, and there was a photo of, I think it was like this Lamborghini and it looked like all puffed up or something, and people were saying that it looks like Lightning McQueen has a severe peanut allergy because it was all red, and it looked like all puffed up as if it was in allergic reaction. It was kind of funny. Also trending on Twitter is the NBA 2K22 top players with the highest overalls. So here I have a graphic with the top 10. So we'll start from the bottom of this list with a 94 overall. 8, 9, and 10 are Luka Doncic, James Harden, and Damian Lillard. With a 95 overall, 7, 6, and 5 is 
Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. And people were a bit angry how the reigning MVP is six on this list. Then, tied for first place, a four-way tie, which is Stephen Curry, Giannis, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James with 96 overalls. So, I don't know how controversial that is. They're all within two, and but either way, it's trending, so there it is. Actually, I just found an extended list of this. So after Damian Lillard and Harden and Luka, who have 94s, with a 90 overall, Jason Tatum. Next, with an 89 overall, Zion and Trey Young. And then 88 overall, Chris Middleton and Rudy Gobert. And then all the way down to 85 overall is Drew Holiday. And 84 overall is LaMelo Ball. So that means that the Bucks, who won the championship, they have three players above 84 or 85 and higher. So, I mean, I guess that makes sense. They were the best team last year, and they're coming into 2K22 with some of the highest overalls. Last but not least, this is not trending, but I found it and I tweeted it. So basically, Miguel Cabrera is 38 years old. He has like two years left on his contract, but he's way overpaid and the Tigers may try to get rid of him somehow um, after this year because he didn't have the greatest year. Basically, Miguel Cabrera, he's 38 years old. He's one home run shy of 500. He's at 499 now, so he should hit that this year definitely (laughs) with 41 games left in the season. And he's also only 49 hits away from 3,000. So he would have to have a strong end of the year to finish with 49 hits in 41 games. So far this year, he's played 94 games and has 85 hits. So at that pace, he will not hit it this year. And let's say the Tigers somehow didn't bring him back next year they either just decide to pay him the like 30 million dollars he's due and just doesn't play or somehow another team winds up picking him up though that doesn't seem likely but let's say he doesn't come back to the Tigers next season what would probably happen is something like Albert Pujols where Another team decides to pick him up because the salary is already being paid for by the Tigers. And, I mean, Miguel Cabrera, at that point, at this pace, at the end of the season, he will have only a few hits to go until he hits 3,000. So whether it's another team that picks him up uh, just until he gets that 3,000, or if they actually keep him, like, the Dodgers kept Albert Pujols. That'll be interesting to see. But over the last several years, um, Miguel Cabrera, his batting average has declined. 
The last time he led the league was in 2015 with a 338 average, 2016 was 316 average, 17 was 249, 18 he only played in 38 games but he picked it up to 299. In 2019 he played 136 games and batted 282 so still not horrible. Then in 2020 in 57 out of 60 games he batted 250 and so far this year he's also batting 250 in just 94 games played even though they're 121 games into the season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Hopefully he is able to reach both milestones. I mean, ideally this year, that would be pretty cool if he was able to finish that this year, if he plays well in September and the end of August. But other than that, there isn't too much interesting news that is trending on Twitter, especially sports-wise. So I think we're just going to leave it there for now. And we are starting to, well, I am starting to message some more potential guests for coming up, more episodes with guests coming up when I'll transition out of this wacky summer series season three and transition into a season four more like the original two with more hypothetical sports matchups and other sports coverage thank you for listening to this episode of substantiate the best way to help support the show is to number one tell your friends about substantiate that is the number one way to support us. The second way is to leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Number three, follow us at SubstantiatePod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch.